For your information, it's brought to you by Gonzo's Love of Fucking Chickens. And now, a special holiday presentation of For Your Information with Zach and John. Welcome to Four Year Information, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach. And I'm John. And this week, after subjecting y'all to creepy, cynical Christmas movies, we figured some Christmas cheer was in order. So this week, we will be covering The Muppets Christmas Carol from 1992. John, have you seen The Muppets Christmas Carol? Believe it or not, I've seen this movie an exact total of one time. An exact total of one. So before the podcast or before I told you to watch it? Uh, before you told me to watch it. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So do you do you like this movie? Do you like The Muppets in general? Uh, you know, I'm not a big Muppets fan. Uh, the Muppets seem like one of those like dated Americana type things at this point to where like, yes, it's classic. Yes, everybody knows it. It's highly recognizable. But like, it doesn't really have a big presence in modern pop culture I think like growing up I didn't watch a ton of Muppets content like I saw some stuff I knew what it was I knew what the characters were but like it, it just, it's like it's like precious moments bible stories like yeah everybody's seen that like everybody knows what that is but like nobody knows anything about it this this is an incredibly hot take I like I know this they, is this is like piping hot I like, know like I know I, like I'm not gonna say it's irrelevant it's relevant but like ugh, it's it's not the same as like um like Sesame Street like like Sesame Street has right. stayed far more relevant than the Muppets, I think. But I think the Muppets are more fondly remembered by like more people, maybe. Um, I mean, I would say it's about equal. Uh, Sesame Street is its own institution. Like, despite being created by Jim Henson as well as the Muppets being created by Jim Henson, um, they're kind of not really the same. Like, the Muppets is for an entirely different audience than Sesame Street is. So, how do you mean that? So, Sesame Street is meant to be educational and for children. And the Muppets have, uh, throughout their entire history, have um, either been for a more adult audience or a family audience. And it, it, like, every single, like, thing that they've done has, like, varied in that area. But, like, it's never been, like, adult adult. Except if you want to count Happy Time Murders, which is actually not by Jim Henson Studios, but is by Brian Henson, who is Jim Henson's son, and directed uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. I noticed that. Yeah, okay. Actually, uh, that, that, it, this is not this movie, but uh, just a little bit of tidbit. Um, so, Happy Time Murders, uh, Brian Henson made that movie. And it was, like, his, like, dream project. Like, he always wanted to make, like, a gross, like, gritty puppet movie. Okay, and... well, as if that hadn't been done before. Right, right, right. I mean, Meet the Feebles is a thing. Ah, uh, so. yeah. Uh, Crank Yankers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, like... Oh, Wonder Showsen. Wonder Showsen, exactly. So, it's not a new concept, but he wanted to bring it to the big screen. He wanted to give it that, you know, Henson-type thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the tagline was for, um... The, the tagline for that movie was all street no sesame interesting and, and the weird thing about that is is 
Sesame Street and the Jim Henson Workshop threatened to sue him if he didn't change it. His own company. Uh, you know what? How far do you have to go to threaten to be sued by your own company? I, I think Elon Musk is the only person in recent history who's had this problem. Dude, it is absolutely insane. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll find another outlet to talk about this one day because we gotta get going. Right. So... <clears throat> Anyway, so your your take is pretty hot on, like, you know, the, the Muppets being the same. It's like Precious Moments Bible stories. Because one is sold in Cracker Barrel, and one is at the bottom of the DVD barrel at Walmart. Um, which one so is which? Uh, the Muppets are at the bottom of the fucking Walmart DVD barrel. And I don't get why. Like, I feel like it's good content. Like, most of the Muppets movies are great. Yes. I would say, like, they have, like, eight or nine films in that canon. And I would say only one is really, like, kind of poor. And that's uh, Muppets from Space. I, anytime because it, it goes to space. Like, Jason X. Jason X is awesome, though. Because, like, I feel like around Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason X, I feel like they just really started having fun with the series so i actually like those better i like it i like it anyway so um you know so but anyway it's especially a hot take for me because i love the muppets if you can't tell like it, it's just one of my favorite things i've loved it since i was a kid and um you know all the way up through the most recent iterations that they've done has been fun but this uh the muppets christmas carol has always held a special place in my heart mm -hmm. um but it's actually kind of weird because i did not see this in its entirety until i was in college really yeah my parents were not muppet people so Mine like weren't either so like anytime like something muppets came up they would like change it they're like oh this is old we don't care you know and then my dad would go read his fucking john grisham novels and like not talk to me for hours right. anyway flip the, flip the channel over to bonanza something far more recent and relevant <laughs> Good God, fuck Bonanza. Anyway, so another thing I wanted to ask you before we move on is this movie is like a live action actor slash Muppet hybrid. Do you think that this like format works? Okay, so one of the things I do like about this movie is that it is a little dark and a little edgy for Muppet standards and it doesn't mm -hmm. lose the edge of the uh, Charles Dickens vibe, you know? Like I think Scrooge with Bill Murray was a similar experience where like, yeah, it's zany and it's kind of off the wall and it's got that Bill Murray brand of humor in it but it doesn't lose the edge of the story and i think that's what makes a good christmas carol rendition is that it's got to bring something to the table that's not just the core story but it also can't lose the effect of the story and i feel like this did it well like it's good and it's wholesome but it also is kind of dark and creepy and moving at times so i mean i like it it's a it's a good uh rendition i think i think it is too and i think that um we'll get into this later but i think michael kane is the best scrooge i like him. like like he just does it so well and he, there's a reason for that and we'll get into it later but what we gotta do first is john you've got to give me a drink to wash down all this sweet sappiness of this movie all right cool uh, i do have a drink for you this week uh this is called the uh, scrooge driver i i'm actually kind of mad you didn't call it the fezzy wig but go on okay it would have to be the fizzy wig and it would be mostly club soda Okay. <laughs> anyway, so the Scrooge driver. The Scrooge driver. Okay, so this is kind of a take on a screwdriver. It's just a little bit more festive. Uh, what you're going to do is you're going to take a uh, rocks glass and you're going to rim it with a little bit of uh, simple syrup. Now, this is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure type part of the cocktail where you get to make the powder rim to your specification. So I want you to use mostly sugar, but I want you to put a little salt in it too because that's kind of how mm. this movie is, you know what I mean? And then you're going to rim the glass in that sugar-salt mixture. Put some ice in there, and then you're going to add... Add two ounces of fresh grapefruit juice, a half ounce of vodka, 
uh, three quarter ounces of triple sec and three ounces of fresh orange juice into the glass give it a little stir and there you go it's an easy fun little take on the screwdriver and you know what it's a little salty, it's a little sweet, but in the end, it'll make you feeling pretty good, just like this movie. Awesome. I love it, dude. Like, I, lo- I love all these festive drinks you're coming up with, because, I mean, like, I feel like that's something that people don't do often enough. Right. Like, I feel like if you go to a bar and they have some sort of Christmas special, it's always, like, you know, some sort of cranberry beer, which is disgusting. Yeah, you can do that, or you can do what they do on St. Patrick's Day and just put green food coloring and stuff and throw a couple of cranberries to float in the top and be like, oh, it's Christmas. Exactly. Or, like, you know, oh... Oh, but let's make a drink with peppermint schnapps. Ooh, delicious. You know what? Drinking some 100-proof peppermint schnapps in a gutter is the best way to spend Christmas Eve. <laughs> I mean, put a little bit of Baileys in there. That's what I've been doing for years at my parents' house. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll wake up, make some coffee, and just keep putting Baileys and whiskey in there. Yeah, Baileys and, and no coffee. no one's the wiser it. yet. You know what? I'm, I hope that they don't listen to this specific episode. I know that they don't listen to a lot of our content. Uh, they do not listen to any of our content. Okay. Okay. Because my because they do not like uh, this type of thing that I'm doing right Pilgrims. here. Pilgrims. <laughs> Pilgrims. Oh, God. Speaking of a man who's been alive since the Pilgrims landed, uh, let's welcome Frank Synopsis into the studio. Frank, how you doing, baby? Oh, I'm doing just fine. It keeps getting colder and colder and colder outside, but that Greyhound bus is nice and warm. Hell yeah. So, Frank, um, where do you spend Christmas? Well, I spend Christmas in the place I spend most of my other time, and that is uh, in the park, uh, in a Starbucks, as long as I'm uh, not getting kicked out, and uh, sometimes underneath an overpass. Oh, so which one do you prefer, the Starbucks or the overpass? Uh, definitely the overpass. Uh, I haven't been uh, forcefully removed from the overpass in a few years. <laughs> and uh, do you get forcibly removed from Starbucks often? Almost weekly. Almost weekly. All right, Frank. Well, We'll never kick you out of here, but you can't be here if we're not here. And that's just for insurance purposes. So, um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Did you have a chance to watch it, Frank? Oh, of course. It's actually one of my favorite Chris Henson movies. Uh, Chris Henson. Yes, Chris who, Henson. Who the fuck is Chris Henson? Oh, you know, he comes in and there's the guy on the couch and he's like, Hi, I'm Chris Henson. This is Dateline NBC. But uh, he also does puppet movies, apparently. Oh, yeah. no, see, it's not the same thing. But a uh, Chris Henson, uh, Jim Henson movie would be interesting. <laughs> so, Frank, I- I'm very interested and cautious to know what you think that this movie's about. So why don't you go ahead and give the people a small synopsis? All right. Ebenezer Scrooge is a rich, grumpy old man. It's Christmas and all I can think about is how many people's mortgages he can foreclose on. That is, until he's visited by the ghost of his old business partners, the Marleys. They tell him if he doesn't change his ways, he'll be doomed to an afterlife of misery. They send three ghosts to haunt him through the night. Oh, and they're all Muppets. Oh! <laughs> Probably the scariest part of the whole movie. They're all fucking Muppets. Oh, and that's what I say every time I walk into Macy's. What a bunch of Muppets. Good God. All right, Frank. Well, it's uh, only one more episode to the finale, so um, we we promise we'll get you at least a bonus of 50 more cents. 50 cents richer. I am bus fare rich for the holiday season. Hell yeah. Now you can afford to uh, maybe go to your sister's house for fucking Christmas. All right. Well, I will see you later then. All right. See you, Frank. All right, John, are you back? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm here. You're okay. All right. Are you ready to learn a little bit more? more about a christmas carol fill me up with that Comma, yuletide the knowledge Muppets. 
<laughs> I I don't like that. The, the, you're going back to the uh, Christmas porn thing we were talking about last week. Yuletide knowledge? <laughs> you said fill me up with that Yuletide knowledge. How could that possibly be pornographic? You know what, man? Look, it's it, we've all been stuck inside way too long. We've all watched way too much porn. It's just on the noggin, right? <laughs> on the noggin. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> all right. So let's go through some of this Wikipedia info really quick, just so that you guys kind of know who the players here are. Um, so this film, so Muppets Christmas Carol was directed by Brian Henson, who is the son of Jim Henson. Um, it was also produced by Brian Henson and Martin G. Baker. Uh, the screenplay was by Jerry Joel. And uh, of course, just like last week, based on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Yeah. Man, these studios are so lucky that A Christmas Carol is technically in the public domain. Awesome. You know what? I Do you think that he would be happy to know that his classic work is in public domain? Um, I mean, back in those days, yes, because uh, it used to be, I think, like, you could only hold the intellectual property rights for things for, like, 50-something years, which is, like, basically your whole lifetime. Right, right. But then it would go to the public domain so it can be reused, rehashed, remixed for, um, you know, for something new to come out. But because of, you know, um, <clears throat> just new, um, now it's, like, at 120 years. Oh, that's because, awesome, Disney. I'm so glad that uh, anything made in my lifetime will never be public domain. No, never, ever, ever. And, I mean, like, it's all for the sake of Mickey Mouse not being in the public domain so they can keep suing preschools that, like, you know, put a mural of him up on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put mouse ears on something. Get fucked. <laughs> they're well, literally, I- tr- like, scrooging the orphans out of an orphanage by suing the crap out of daycare centers. Exactly. It's... <laughs> Disney execs? Uh, Scrooge. <laughs> Scrooge you. Oh, God. Anyway, so the film stars Kermit the Frog, <laughs> who is uh, puppeteered by Steve Whitmire. All right. Miss Piggy, who is uh, puppeteered by Frank Oz. Not to be confused with Ozzy Osbourne. No, not the same. However, Frank Oz also uh, voiced and puppeteered Yoda. Um, the Great Gonzo by Dave Golez. Um, Grooge. Uh, Michael Caine. If you don't know who that is, you should, you uncultured swine. But if you need a point of reference, he is Alfred in the Dark Knight trilogy. Ah, the Dark Knight trilogy. You know, I've only seen the first movie in that You trilogy. haven't seen the Dark Knight? No, I've seen that one. I haven't seen the two following films. Okay, so no, that's actually the second film in that series. All right, so clearly I haven't seen any of them. What is the first one? Batman Begins? Yeah, Batman Begins is the first one, then the Dark Knight, then the Dark Knight Rises. Is that the one with Bane? Yeah, that's the one with Bane. I do connect with Bane on a spiritual level. Do you just like breaking backs? Uh, no, not really. It's more about wearing a mask all the time <laughs> and telling people that I was born in the Dark darkness because that's what this whole year has been for me <laughs> we we have been uh what how does that go um we have been formed by the darkness and created by the mask it, it is yes. a new normal people wake up anyway yes so uh the music uh so the instrumental score in this movie is by miles goodman <laughs> and the original songs are by paul williams and uh paul williams has actually written a lot of music for the muppets as well as having his own solo career. If you haven't listened to any of his music, I would highly suggest going go ahead and go for it. It's got a very like late 60s, early 70s vibe. 
All right, so this guy versus Steve Burns, who has the better solo career? Uh, I mean, I'd have to go with fucking Paul Williams. Yeah? <laughs> much longer, much more storied career. I think Steve Burns has only come out with one album of solo material that is not Blue's Clues related. I mean, that's better than hey, me. Hey, you know what? It is better than us, and it's actually a good album. Song for Dust Mites by Steve Burns. If you want to hear, you know, Steve Burns be sad over some indie music, it's pretty good. I like it. I like it, right. too. Production companies Walt Disney Pictures and Jim henson productions uh distributed by buena vista pictures distribution which again is disney they produce it and they distribute it and i don't know how that's legal um (laughs) the release date was december 11th 1992 so actually pretty close to when we are releasing this episode um and the budget for the film was 12 million (laughs) dollars and the box office return was 27.2 million (laughs) dollars okay so uh a similar effect that they had with scrooge you know between two and three times the budget was made back and now disney usually spends a lot in advertising am i wrong yes but um they also we'll talk about this uh in a little bit but they actually release this at a quite disadvantageous time i uh, for, see yeah they, they definitely should have released this a little earlier but we'll get into it so um like we said uh the last couple of weeks have been full of scary and cynical christmas stuff so i hope that this is more easy listening for you i hope that we can bring some holiday cheer to your you know home or car or airpods wherever the fuck you're listening to this. Yeah, if you have AirPods Max, I need you to I need you to unscrew them from your ear holes. I need you to to, to hold them together in front of your face. You use the power of your mind to set them on fire. Pretty good, but those AirPod Maxes are like five hundred dollars, and I don't I don't know who that's for. But you know what? More power to you. I don't understand spending more than like a hundred dollars on Bluetooth headphones because nine times out of ten, there's absolutely no way that you're going to have a perceived audio quality increase without having on ear monitors. I I completely agree. The earbuds game, they shouldn't be more than like, you know, a hundred dollars or so. But I what I will say about the AirPods Max is I like all the other features that they have. But anyway, this is not a tech podcast. Right. Like being able to lose one of them because they're not tethered together. You know, I gotta say though, after having, you know, over the ear headphones, wired earbuds, um, everything in between, having something that's truly wi- having true wireless headphones, I don't think I could go back. Like they, like they just work that well for me. I, you're right. We're not a tech podcast. We're we're allowed to have preferences, right? <laughs> we're allowed to have preferences. I I mean, I'm definitely an Apple simp boy. Mm, yeah, I got a simp for Steve Jobs' ghost. Hey man, <laughs> maybe one day he'll put another fucking U two album on my iPod for free. Oh yeah, wouldn't that know. be great? Wouldn't that be awesome? Anyway, so some holiday cheer coming your way. Jim Henson was dead mm-hmm. to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. Jim Henson passed May 16th, 1990, and the Muppet Studios were struggling to find what to do in his absence. Uh, They had a deal with Disney that hadn't gone all the way through since Jim's death. Um, This would have included included putting the Muppets in Disney World, which did eventually happen. Hmm. So Disney did eventually acquire the Muppets, but at the moment, they were kind of holding off on the deal because they didn't know what was going on with the studio after his death. Hmm. Um, 
It is also to be noted that Jim Henson Studios was kind of floundering at this time. Uh, the Jim Henson Hour, which was his new show that he did right before he died, uh, did not do well. And uh, the films The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth did not perform well at the box office. And so they kind of figured in order to save the studio, because they were just, you know, losing money left and right, they probably needed to make a new Muppets movie because they hadn't made a new one since like, I think around like 1986 mm-hmm. was probably when, um, let's see, it goes Muppet movie, uh, Muppet caper, and then Muppets take Manhattan. Yep. So Muppets take Manhattan. I think that was 86. I see. So I think maybe they could have done more with Labyrinth. I think David Bowie was awesome in that movie. And I really think that they could have just put like his moose knuckle on the movie poster and gotten a little <laughs> bit more, you know, asses in seats. You know, it sucks that that movie didn't do well. I think it was slightly ahead of its time. I don't think people were quite ready for the immersion of that movie. And, I mean, it's not, like, the best movie ever made, but it definitely is, like, ahead of its time. So I feel bad about how that shaked out for them. Yeah. And The Dark Crystal was definitely ahead of its time. Yeah, my wife is a big fan of both of these movies. Oh, is she? Oh, yeah, I've seen both of them a couple times now. Yeah, I mean, it's... It just sucks. It sucks for those movies that they didn't get the love that they deserved then. Because I think if those movies came out now, they would do a lot better. Right. Uh, not to, uh, to to rain on the parade there, but the new like Dark Crystal series that came out through Netflix, uh, it was kind of like the Cimmerillion. Like, it's really cool if you just love the Dark Crystal. The problem is that there's like a very, very small niche of people that really love the Dark Crystal, and it was for those people, exactly. and there's not a lot of them. Exactly. And it's... It sucks because it's a cool concept. It's a cool story. Just not, just not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So anyway, a beacon of light showed itself to the Jim Henson company via talent agent Bill Haber um, approaching Brian Henson about making a Christmas Carol with the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and with this, they sold the idea to ABC for a television film. Um. But Walt Disney Pictures actually interjected and offered to buy the film for a theatrical release. Now, that whole sentence might not make sense to you if you don't know some other history here. So this was in this was probably in 1991, and this was actually before Disney owned ABC. That acquisition did not take place until 1996. Yeah. And ESPN and Lucasfilm and most of the telecoms industry. <laughs> it will all just be Disney at some point. It will just all be Disney. I will not simp for Disney. I will not simp for Apple. I'm going to go live on a hillside with the goats. And if they send a drone to go drop the like Moana 4 DVD on my doorstep, you know what? I'm going to shoot it down <laughs> with a primitive bow and arrow that I made out of a tree. <laughs> you should just make your own movies while you're out there. I can't. They own the telecoms industry. If I buy a DVD, I bet Disney owns enough patents that I'm probably just going to have to pay them royalty money on it. <laughs> Good God. This is the future that we created, not the future we deserved. Um, I don't, I don't know. It might be the future we deserve. I don't know. Anyway, so um, this was also, like I said earlier, before the Muppets were part of the Walt Disney Pictures, uh, you know, global giant umbrella that they have now. Conglomerate. So, um, conglomerate. So the Muppets actually didn't become official Disney IP until 2004. So this whole thing is weird because if it had happened today, none of these negotiations would have happened. They would have just not made another Muppets movie. <laughs> nice. 
Um, so Jerry Joel, uh, who wrote for Fraggle Rock, The Muppet Show, and The Jim Henson Hour, wrote the script for a Christmas for a Muppet's Christmas Carol. So here's a question: uh, When you write the script for a movie that is based on another literary work, I mean, how much of it is just like you know copy and paste from the book, and how much of it is like you know big idea, broad strokes kind of guy being like, and we'll have a puppet here, and we'll have a puppet there, and everything will be a puppet except Scrooge. Well, I think that that's mainly what it is. They they kind of copied and pasted some from the book but they did actually deviate quite a bit okay um for example like uh i mean and it was just to put another muppet in there um instead of having scrooge's sister in the uh, ghost of christmas past segment because uh-huh. scrooge's sister is supposed to try and convince him to go home uh they actually ended up putting sam eagle in there who is a muppet for the um to, to, so he's like scrooge's schoolmaster. it's just an it's just an excuse to get a muppet in there mm, i see yeah they got a do that they gotta get they gotta check all the boxes they gotta make an appearance they gotta show face you know just like you do at your family christmas party exactly <laughs> you could be drunk you could be high but you gotta be there yeah sure. all right yeah <laughs> so joel was the one who decided to insert charles dickens as the narrator and uh brian henson descend- decided to make gonzo charles dickens due to him being the least likely choice i see they they could have they could have borrowed from sesame street they could have used grover i mean grover and gonzo are essentially the same character yeah one has a beak and one has a big red nose yeah and uh one has a big red nose and it's for children and the other is a space alien who fucks chickens all right so i I don't is that canon he is married to a chicken so it is safe to assume that uh him and that chicken are fucking i i all right sure this is the worst (laughs) version of alf this well alf just eats everything but uh gonzo be eating the chickens just not you know in a kfc way we gotta we got we cannot no (laughs) and rizzo the rat was added as comic relief and they give uh charles dickens kind of like a greek chorus to go along with so it kind of actually plays out in more of a three-act like greek theater structure ah yes greek chorus lots of phlegm from the bass section (laughs) they just gotta stop eating dairy with everything man like everything greek has dairy in it it's weird you know what it's hard to be (laughs) vegan and uh and greek i guess you know there's just too much lamb just too much lamb too much uh yogurt based Mm. sauces which are pretty good i like greek food yeah i want to see rizzo the rat slathered in tzatziki sauce we don't have time to talk about great raps right now. Mm. All right, so um, established Muppets were originally cast as the Ghost of Christmas Present, Past, and Future. Uh, they were going to have Scooter play the Ghost of Christmas Past, Miss Piggy as the Ghost of Christmas Present, and they were going to have Animal as the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. I cannot agree with that. Yep, I'm really glad that they didn't do this because I think we actually got some interesting and cool puppets out of like you know creating new puppets specifically for this movie. Agreed. And um. The one that, I mean, it's just freaking beautiful, the Ghost of Christmas Past. Just the way that um, that puppet moves and everything is always just so mystifying and, like, cool. And it looks very ghost-like. And it honestly kind of looks like something out of Dark Crystal. Like, it looks very much in that vein. And uh, they actually had to animate that puppet underwater and then superimpose it onto the screen. So, like, the water, like, gave it that floating effect and, like, the whole, um, you know, because, like, the pieces of it are always moving. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was actually, unsurprisingly, the most difficult thing to film because no one had ever tried that before. Underwater puppet. So, here's the question, that when you have the actor, like, the live actor in the scene with the thing and you have to superimpose the puppet onto the, what are they using for the puppet head? Just, like, a tennis ball on a 
string. Either a tennis ball or like a in-studio puppet. Like maybe they had like a, uh, like just like a head. Right. Just like how when they did Roger Rabbit, they had the fucking rubber rabbit suit. Well, that was so that the animators knew exactly where to put Roger. Um, this one, I'm sure they had something there, but I mean, it is, um... I'm actually not entirely sure how they did this, because it, this would have been very difficult, very expensive at the time. You gotta wrap a tennis ball in twine, you gotta dip it in kerosene and light it on fire, and <laughs> dance it around in front of the actor. So that he'll be actually legit Yeah, a sense of urgency. Jesus Christ. Speaking of the actor who would be scared as fuck in that scene, let's talk about Scrooge. So before Michael Caine was chosen, um, they actually approached David Hemmings, uh, Ron Moody, David Werner, and George Carlin. Hmm, alright. George Carlin would have been a cool Scrooge too, but albeit very different from Michael Caine. Mm -hmm. So um, Michael Caine was offered the role by Brian Henson, and Caine decided to play the role as seriously as possible he wanted to act as if there were not muppets around him of course i mean you kind of have to when you're a scrooge character i think they could have also maybe done a uh a christopher lee christopher lee would have been a good scrooge you think he was um, too expensive you think disney wasn't willing to shell out money for him then but then they bought the rights to star wars attack of the clones um i mean i don't know if it said he would have been too expensive he might not have been available um it might not have been something that the the muppet studios wanted to do i don't know uh th this is just the information that i found mm -hmm. but but I, I don't see why Chris Frilly couldn't have been. Gary Scrooge. Busey. <laughs> John, you need to create a film studio just exclusively to give Gary Busey work. Because I think you're the only one that wants to see it. You know what? I, I've done I've done worse for love. <laughs> John just wants the love of a slightly insane older man. Yes. Anyway. Don't we so, all? Don't we all? Uh, this turned out to be a great choice because Kane's performance uh, really ties the movie together. And in my opinion, he's the best Scrooge there ever was. Mm, hot take. I mean, I don't even know if it's really a hot take. Because, uh, I mean, even when you just think about some of the worst Christmas Carol adaptions, like uh, what was the other one that Disney did uh, with Jim Carrey? And it had like the, you know, Polar Express, like Uncanny Valley fucking animation behind it. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, okay, dude, it is, it's fucking creepy. Like, I don't like it. I'm glad that um, all animation studios collectively agreed to stop doing that shit. Because mm. it's creepy when the animation looks too lifelike. Right. Like, I don't like it. All right. <clears throat> so let's talk about the music for a minute. So like I said, uh, the original songs are done by Paul Williams, uh, who had worked on basically every Muppet movie, except for some of the newer ones, uh, who actually employed uh brett mckenzie from the flying concords to do uh those films mm. but anyway <clears throat> so paul williams of course wrote rainbow connection which is probably the most famous you know fucking muppet song there ever was so anyway uh he wrote a bunch of original songs and some of them actually didn't end up making it into the film um the most egregious one that did not make it into the film is a t is a sequence called uh when love is gone which is sung by bell scrooge's uh fiance when she breaks things off with him. Mm. Uh, the song and sequence were filmed and recorded, um, but the but it was uh, ultimately taken out of the film due to pacing issues, but um, it was put back in on certain VHS and DVD releases, but has not been, been put back into the film in HD releases. We'll talk a little bit more about the history of that later. But um, the song does appear on the soundtrack for the film anyway. And it's kind of a real shame because the melody of When Love Is Gone is the same as the song in the finale, 
uh, The Love We Found. And it kind of gives the two songs a nice resolve. And we don't get it in modern cuts of the film. And I kind of hate that. You know, um, maybe I am just taking like a really conventional look at this. You know, would it have been good for the story for Bill to come back in the end? Uh, also, maybe. does this mean that because of the way that things were in this time period, that Scrooge has just been waiting like 58 years to shoot his shot? <laughs> Maybe her husband is dead and she can, like, you know, afford to take a chance on him now. That was the way of things back then, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like, I kind of like that, you know, Scrooge's resolve is for his own good and that they're not taking some sort of love angle for it because I feel like a lot of movies do that and it just kind of sucks where it's like, oh, he only changed for the girl and it's like, that's horrible. That You shouldn't do that. You should change for yourself. Mm-hmm. Even if you hate yourself and even if you are a crappy person. Objectively. Exactly. I'm looking at you, viewers. <laughs> you guys gotta listen. You guys gotta listen more. You guys gotta get more people in here. Yeah. Anyway. It's your fault. It's all your fault. I, bl- your I do fault blame you. Like this. Oh, man. So, there are also two other songs that were that didn't make it into the film, but are on the soundtrack, which is uh, Room in Your Heart and Chairman of the Board. Uh, these were actually recorded, but not filmed at all. Hmm. And the soundtrack peaked at 189 on the Billboard Hot 200 chart. Man, this movie did not get the love it deserves. I mean, I guess, but I mean, how many people get something in the Billboard Hot 200 ever? You know what? That's fair. That's this fair. is a Muppet Christmas special. That is true. That is true. All right, so let's talk about some of the production here. So uh, the movie was shot at Shepard and Studios in London, where many Muppet things are filmed. Mm-hmm. And in order for the Muppets and human actors to be in the same scenes, the floors were taken out of the sets so that the Muppet characters could be beneath the floor. Yes, just like so they, they did with the Yoda. Just like they did with the Yoda. He's always hiding behind a rock or some shit. Um, so uh, this left long, narrow passages for the human actors to walk down. Mm-hmm. So if they ever seem like they're being stiff there's a reason because they're puppets <laughs> because they're puppets yeah anyway so the london street scenes were done like all of those uh buildings were made by hand but they diminished in size as the rows went down and this gave an optical illusion that the streets were longer than they actually are mm-hmm. and uh the effect works great until the last shot of the film which is a crane shot you know like where they kind of go out of the house and then up to the skyline uh-huh. um so when they do that you can actually see see the smaller buildings in the back and the illusion is ruined uh brian henson later said in a dvd commentary for the film that the shot was worth it and he didn't think people would notice and everyone noticed i didn't notice but i don't notice anything that's okay like it's one of those things where like i just kind of saw it out of the corner of my eye i'm like hey look at that fucking shit Mm. (laughs) and then um but it, it is very easy to not notice especially if you're just like oh i'm all heart warmed it's christmas yay yes or you're just swigging down some, like, Mickey's malt liquor trying to get through this whole experience. <laughs> so let's talk about the release of this film. Uh, so Disney had high expectations for the film, uh, monetarily, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the only wide release that Disney made in that holiday season, and it was the second widest Disney release that year behind Aladdin. Ah, Aladdin. Part one three-quarter Jafar needs glasses again. <laughs> So, wait, so does Jafar Needs Glasses again come before Jafar Needs Glasses? Uh, I I don't know how the numbering system works. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it chronologically takes place afterwards, but, like, you know, it comes out first. 
We should do film sequel titles by their Dewey Decimal number. Oh, no. Absolutely not. Nobody remembers <laughs> that shit. We don't use libraries anymore. People don't know how to read. Do we even need librarians? We have Wikipedia. We do have Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, we have. We literally have a, like, you know what? We automate libraries. <laughs> so, like, in Star Wars, where, like, you just say, hey, Siri, get me fucking shit. And then she'll, like, just give you pictures of shit. Yeah, something like that. Or she'll give you something that she knows that you love just to mess with you. <laughs> so it's just going to be yingling and a pack of cigarettes. Great. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, um... Shit. But that's my shit. Thanks, Siri. You're welcome. Um. Anyway, sorry. I'm I'm totally off the fucking rails. All right. So, uh, the film opened six at the box office, uh, earning five point nine million on its first weekend, mm-hmm. which is not great. Uh, that's not exactly what you want for a for you know like a film that you just spend a shit ton of money on, and you got you got you have like Michael Caine in it. Like it should have opened a lot better than that. But Disney being Disney, kind of opened it at a disadvantageous time because they also released it the same week that Home Alone 2 came out. Mm-hmm. So that was always going to fuck it up. And what's more, Disney's own Aladdin was still killing it at the box office at this time. So Disney actually got in its own way again. I see. So, like, uh, really, though, I understand the problem of not having, like, the, the time to wait for Aladdin to stop making a bunch of money because, like, it's christmas time you can't release it after christmas it just would make zero sense well no i think aladdin came out probably in like september and it was just still an exhibition really yeah because like disney movies used to play for a long ass time like a long 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 ass time right you gotta let the kids go back and see it two times a day for four weeks straight because they'll scream if their parents don't take them because you intentionally made a movie to appeal to the child's mind exactly how dare people make films for children who is this walt disney fellow lock him predatory marketing predatory marketing yeah next thing you know they're going to be marketing jewels toward kids oh no how dare they it's almost as if the tobacco industry hasn't been silently advertising to children for the last 150 years oh no dear god crazy crazy it's crazy how we all want to end up growing up to be alcoholic nicotine addicted fucking like porn wads do you think that like if daycares put up marlboro logos on the walls instead of mickey mouse that like the rj reynolds tobacco company would sue the crap out of the daycare absolutely not they'd be like hey look it's free advertising thank you that's what i'm talking about (laughs) i completely understand where you're coming from you and i but i did just think of something that will actually make you mad Hmm. so you remember how i said it came in six behind home alone 2 and aladdin yes all three of these films are now owned by disney I just realized that all three of these fucking movies are now owned by Disney. I it's like living in the 20th and 21st century it is like playing Monopoly except Disney <laughs> is just rigged to win the game. They're going to buy every property, you're going to land on it, and you're going to pay them whether you want to or not, because there's just no other way. Oh, God. It's insane. That is actually insane. Oh, so oh, like... <laughs> you, you like sports? Ah, uh, too bad ESPN's owned by the mouse. Grease that white-gloved palm. Mm. Anyway, um, so let's talk about the home media releases really quick before we end this. Um, so the first VHS was released on November 5th, 1993, which included the When Love Is Gone sequence. Uh, the first DVD was released on October 8th, 2002 in full screen only. Why the fuck? Why do they keep doing this? Because again, people pay for the whole TV. They want to see it on the whole TV. But that's not how it was filmed. I, you know what, Zach? I, if people 
knew the right thing to do, they'd still not do it. Every time. They'd still not do it every single time. All right, so then Disney re-released the film on DVD in 2005 with a widescreen and full screen, which is much better, I guess. Just watch it in the original aspect ratio, please. Just do me that favor. If you take nothing else from this podcast, watch it in the original aspect ratio. Yeah, you want to see the puppets all not distorted. Exactly. Like, why would you want to watch a pixelated movie? It makes no sense. Yeah, scrambled Make it Muppets sense. Christmas Carol. <laughs> Just every pixel is scrambled. Every pixel is moved um, five pixels to the right, and then the next pixel is moved seven pixels down. Awesome. <laughs> I, I feel like no one's done this. Like, just completely jumble up every pixel in a picture. You would have to, like, rekey everything into G major. Oh, God. Taking something from D sharp minor to G major. Ugh. <laughs> it wouldn't even be the same song anymore. <laughs> anyway... Um, so, um, the, the Disney re-release in 2005 was in conjunction with Kermit the Frog's 50th birthday. And, what's more, is the When Love is Gone was taken out and was never to be seen. Th- that cut of the film, which is, like, referred to as the extended cut, has not been released again. Like, ever. And it sucks. Like, ever. Like, um, including up to the 2012 film release on Blu-ray, which had a digital copy included, um, it has When Love is Gone as a bonus feature but it is not in the film and so it, it's just like i i guess they want to like hearken on or bleh, not hearken but they want to like you know go really hard on the theatrical edition because i guess that's what most people would remember and like if they're going with nostalgia factor which is almost certainly what they're always doing with anything muppets related they want to make sure you're seeing the same cut you saw as a kid right because they gotta they gotta call it back exactly they gotta recall if like you see a scene that you never you don't remember seeing it's like maybe i don't remember any of this movie do i even like this i'm gonna turn it off now yes just like that just like that because disney takes like the most fucking like hardcore left turns at everything yeah yeah like, yeah they make just all like these when you assumptions were a kid, you know it's super important to have those things have those callbacks so just like when you're sitting alone in your house with a bottle of mickey's smoking those marlboro reds and then you think about how this is exactly how my childhood christmases smell you can sit on your dirty couch and go <laughs> with your cheeto covered hands right you know they're cheeto dust covered you know they're cheat it's not even the more sensible or more refined dorito it's cheetos it's puffed cheetos too right it's, instead of using a paper towel to wipe your dirty hands off you're just gonna like use it to go between your dirty hand and the thing you're trying to touch because you're just that Get, guy getting cheeto dust all over your fucking cigarette Ugh. it's like the worst kind of lipstick stain on the filter and then you forgot that you had cheeto dust on your hands so you're just licking off the now cigarette flavored cheeto dust off your fingers <laughs> it sucks being an adult in 2020 man it ain't easy being you know depressed it ain't easy being this sexy and also addicted to cheetos <laughs> addicted to cheetos and nicotine not not mutually exclusive anyway so i think that's gonna about wrap it up for this week i know this was kind of a short episode but uh, this is one of my favorites to watch at Christmas time, so I wanted to make sure that I gave it some love. Um, so, John, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I think puppets are good. I think Muppets are good. Uh, I, I, are crumpets good? I don't know that I've had a proper crumpet. It. Have you had a um uh, a cronut? A cronut? Yeah. So like a croissant donut. No. That cannot be a thing. It is a thing. It was like a big thing back in like the early 2010s. A cronut. A cronut. A cronut. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just a flaky donut. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's not great. It's not good. It's do not... they bake it or do they fry it? I mean, I think they bake it and then fry it. Unbelievable. <laughs> this is easily the weakest part of the podcast, and I'm not even mad about it. <laughs> oh, God. I just have to make sure that everybody knows how much you hate just, you know, anything. I really don't. Like, I'm a really, like, tolerant person, like, in general. Like, I, I, I'm clear in the air. I'm, I'm making people know that I'm not a Scrooge type. In general, I'm a very tolerant You're person. Not. But when you bring, like, cronut to the table, like, and you're like, have you had a cronut? I'm like, I don't even want to acknowledge that that's a thing. Like, who who asked for this? Who was like, you know what I really don't like when I have to sandwich my donut and my croissant together to get the desired effect? Nobody has ever said that. <laughs> I love it. I... I I always love how logical you are, John. I <laughs> eat the donut or don't eat their croissant or don't. If you have to smash them together, go ahead, bro. It they're already a thing. <laughs> you you can go to your local Dunkin' Donuts and get a fucking cronut. <sighs> anyway, so <laughs> thank you for listening. Uh, go check out our Facebook page uh, for you know memes, recipes, and whatnot. Um, and if you could give us a little Christmas gift by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five star review, so that we can get more shitheads like you in here that is important it is important we want to double our fucking listener base to four people so please pretty pretty please please help please help all right so for four year information i'm zach and i'm john watch a new movie this week uh get in the holiday spirit whatever that holiday is for you hail santa hail santa all right bye guys